0: Hi, this is Trevor Jackson. Welcome to Tomorrow Is Mine. Luigi Teofilo left the Philippines for Australia almost four years ago. And since enrolling to study his bachelor's degree in social work, with honours, at Griffith University, it's been a transformational experience. The once shy Filipino who would never challenge authority or offer his opinion unless solicited, has emerged as a confident and outspoken young man who now feels liberated in an accepting and less judgmental society. To be honest, I've had many international students tell me much the same thing from so many different countries. It's a common theme among those who choose to study here on the Gold Coast as they find a more self-assured identity and independence within our supportive and welcoming community. What makes Luigian's conversation so compelling is his desire to explore the cultural, political, sexual, religious and societal boundaries that shaped his environment as he seeks to better understand the notion of conformity and how it can constrain us from revealing our true selves. Hi, Luigian. Firstly, welcome to the podcast and thank you for being brave enough to come onto the show. You were telling me just a few moments ago that... Two years ago, when this podcast started, you would not have been brave enough to put your hand up to do this. Why did you contact me and say, I want to do this now? What's changed?
1: I think it it happened because I mustered up the confidence to do things that are outside of my comfort zone. I mean, before I came to Australia, I was that kind of person who is afraid of doing things that makes me exposed to other people or on the spotlight, in other words. Um, originally, I was always hesitant of going in front of, of crowds, giving speeches, um, giving my opinions because I feel like people are going to judge me even though I'm not doing anything bad. And now looking back, I'm like, that's a very weird preconceived notion about people and yourself. So I, tell, I shifted that mentality that whatever scares me, I'm going to do it.
0: Was there a particular situation or something that happened to you while you were here that led you to be bold, to stand up and say, yeah, I'm gonna be who I am. I'm I'm not gonna be afraid anymore.
1: I think it's more of a gradual process. I always knew that I'm this kind of person deep inside. I'm very much open to my family. I can show them my sense of humor, how I can be very blunt and opinionated in a good way, of course, a little bit of humor just to make the atmosphere f- feel light. But with other people, people I don't even know, let alone people don't share my values, I try to hide it because I'm more of a people pleaser, which I am still now, but i I think what stems from me being this kind of person is because I wanted to share what I think, but at the same time showing some constructive criticism and showing people that it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to have differing opinions as long as you're respectful of other people and tell them that you understand that there is that you're okay to be yourself, I guess.
0: Yeah, unless you're a nihilist, I think we all want to be liked. Oh, (laughs) nihilism, very
1: much. Um, I met someone who is a nihilist.
0: Oh, really, here in Australia?
1: Here in Australia, but it was really more from a friend, and believe me when I tell you, I cannot deal with a person like that. Everything is just so negative. I mean... People is entitled of their own philosophy. Some people have existentialism. Some people have nihilism as um, as their philosophy or even objectivism by Ayn Rand, so which is a very controversial philosophy. Mm-hmm. So it's a free country.
0: Sure, it is. Although I think being a nihilist would be exhausting, really. Very much. <laughs> That's far too much like hard work for me. It's interesting because you, again, in deciding to come onto the podcast to share your story, You were telling me that you'd listened to other stories by Filipino students who've been featured over the last few years and how your experience of the Philippines is vastly different to theirs. Do you Mm. want to describe to me those kinds of differences? I know there was one student, for instance, that was from a regional part of the Philippines and totally different lived experience to yours.
1: In fact, um, I was really impressed by it. A part of me wanting to have that experience, um, less stress, growing up in the province. In fact, I always envy those who have provinces because they have an identity that there can be a, uh, they can be proud of and that is in, innately theirs. Growing up in the mountains and having lush verdure fields in their houses. But for me, I grew up in the city. So Quezon City... And Manila. So I was born in Manila but grew up in Kansas City and as far as I know it's actually part of this congr- um, congregation of cities known as Metro Manila. And in that city which has a population of at least 25 million people as far as I know my understanding of the Philippines is really shaped by that environment. So in my opinion Philippines is very much a politically unstable country people will not agree with me with that I think but considering that we do have a lot of and corruption um, a lot of Social inhibitions in terms of politics, like same sex marriage, anti discrimination laws for LGBT community, divorce, for example, even abortion. That is very much the Philippines that I know. But at the same time, there are the positives, meaning to say that we love humor, we love karaoke, we love talking about people, being chismoso, chismosa. So,
0: being what, sorry?
1: Chismoso, chismosa. So, a gossiper. Oh, someone who gossip about other people.
0: You mentioned Quezon City, which is kind of a city within a city, isn't it? It's part of Greater Manila. I'm just trying to get my head around this. And I had to look this up. Apparently, it was a planned city, which was going to be the capital. And it was actually the capital for a while. And I think it was back in the mid 70s that Ferdinand Marcos said, no, no, the capital is going to be Manila again. And they changed it over. You were born in Manila, but you've then grown up in Quezon City. So it sounds like a far more ordered urban life than perhaps the chaos of Manila, or not?
1: No, not really. Because Manila and (laughs) and Quezon City are so close to each other, a lot of foreigners who did live in that part of the Philippines would say that, oh, it's just like one big city, one big metropolis. And even though, if we're going to look at the map, they're very much separated, but you can't see the separation simply because of the overpopulation, a lot of infrastructures, and, for me, as someone who did grow up in Manila, both cities, Manila and Kansas City, a lot of people who are from the provinces didn't like it, and I understand that. In fact, it's very chaotic, but for me, it gave me a lot of intellectual stimulation that I'm looking for, that beautiful chaos that there's something going on every day. And it gives me that adrenaline rush of being like, always on the look for the something new.
0: You mentioned political instability, and I'm curious about this because a lot of Australians would have mixed views about the Philippines. Certainly I grew up in a time when Ferdinand and Imelda Marcos ruled the roost, and there was a lot of talk about corruption and about violations of human rights and that sort of thing. And then the Philippines seemed to go through this transformation, and then we've only just heard in recent days that Imelda and Ferdinand's son, Ferdinand Jr., is about to become, is the president-elect. And I thought, wow... What's changed in the Philippines? Or has nothing changed in the Philippines in that time? Can you give me a, a bit of a background about what's been happening in the Philippines?
1: Well, um, since I'm living in a home safe family, um, in a Filipino family as well. Um, they would always express their opinions about how the Philippines has changed over time. They said it's much cleaner in terms of infrastructure and in terms of divisoria. For example, a lot of the places there has become more clean. Because that's like the biggest indicator thats that there is progress. And I do think that in terms of our social views, it's gradually shifting from conservative to being a progressive. But I can't speak for the entire Philippines. I mean, I don't want to fall into that trap of being a Manileño, someone who grew up in Manila, as they would call it, that we're the center of the country. So, <laughs> um, But for me, in my city, that's how I see it. We've become more accepting of the changes in the family, for example, the nuclear family. We have a lot of movies about homosexual relationships, lesbian relationships, and basically tackling very, how would I describe this, very heavy issues about society, really. And I do like it because I think we're already shifting from, uh, from just one country into a globalized society. And I think it's really more important that we sh- should be having th- these conversations.
0: What about Catholicism? Because it's uh, traditionally, the Philippines is a very strict Catholic culture. It goes back to the Spanish roots, I guess. Is that as strong as it was or is that changing as well in the modern Philippines?
1: I would not really consider us conservative per se. I would say we're relatively conservative. I'm very much proud of our culture. It's so beautiful. I do love that Hispanic culture that we have that sometimes people do forget. But I do think that, yes, we were colonized by the Spaniards, but long before that we were colonized, we already have at least 600 years of independent civilization. And I think it's because of Catholicism that, for some reason, the way we see the world changed, but some of that ancestral views and social traditions remain to this day. For example, um, our beliefs in, um, how would I describe this, like some sort of like an amulet. Um, it would give you a lot of power, <laughs> like some sort of a superstition still believe in that. That actually came from our um, pre-colonial civilization. And... To this day, I can still feel it, that it's still part of our identity.
0: Do you identify as being a practicing Catholic? Or? Lapse, lapsed. lapse, Catholic. Uh, or lapsed. Maybe. Oh, So you're living with guilt then. Living with <laughs> Every guilt? Every
1: day. <laughs> lapsed Catholic on the sense that I don't agree with some of my church's um, social stance. I mean— I'm not really comfortable with the label of being an atheist. Being an atheist does have a negative connotation in the country. I would say that I would be more of a spiritual universalist, meaning to say that for every religion that exists, they do have some sort of truth in it. And I'm willing to search for that truth for myself. Because if you're going to look at the word, the etymology of spirituality, as far as I know, because Carl Sagan wrote that in his book, he said that it derived from the Latin word spiritum, which means to give birth or to, to transcend the transcendence of our beliefs. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm transcending what I believe into something that is practical. I do believe in kindness. I do believe in respect. I do believe that there has to be something more than what we perceive, but I just don't know yet.
0: Okay. For you growing up in Greater Manila and Quezon City, What was the attraction in wanting to leave there, to come and study here, or perhaps explore the world in a much larger scale? Given that you loved that environment, that you really enjoyed growing up there, what was driving you to want to see more of the world?
1: It's really because of if I was born in another country, let's say America or Australia, we didn't have to struggle of proving to whatever governing system there is that we can, we are going back to the country because there is already that preconceived expectation that some Filipinos would have to go to another country and then bring back some money to their family, which is our source of income really as a country in terms of economy, remittances. And some really don't want to go back. But for me, if I do have that convenience of just going back and forth, I would never have left the country in the first place because I do love there. I do miss my family, I do miss my friends. And I do miss the sense of humor that we have that some people don't share it here. So I do. So We have
0: a sense of humor. Just a different, a that's different, a different sense different, of humor. Different
1: yeah. sense of humor that people would sometimes find offensive. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, that's actually the reason why I wanted to leave because I wanted to see the world. I wanted to understand more of what makes the world tick. Originally, my plan was to go to united states or europe at some point i'm going to share this secret with you so it's no longer a secret so when i was a kid well not really a kid more of a teenager 14 15 at that time my parents my mother was thinking about going to europe and i used to toy with the idea of okay we're going to i don't care what part of europe as long as i would have the chance to run away (laughs)
0: From your mom, just like, you know, yeah. I'm here, I'm, I'm never going home. <laughs>
1: Not yeah. really, but I just like the idea of adventure, yeah. of just going to go there, meet people. Of course, that's a bad idea, looking back. Someone who's 14, 15, who, barely, who only speaks English and ends up with what in whatever European country there is, I would be killed or lost or I don't know. <laughs>
0: well, killed might be a little bit extreme. So you went on this trip with your
1: mom? Uh, we didn't go to Europe, but I'm like, I just like the idea. I mean, I always look back at like, what could have been if I did have that chance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so instead, you've taken the chance to run away to Australia for tertiary studies. Mm-hmm. Why here? Why don't you come here?
1: Originally, I was given two choices. It's either Canada or Australia. So um, many people
0: say that. For so many students, it's an either or prospect. I don't know why, but Canada and Australia seem to be right at the top of their list.
1: Well, first and foremost, a lot of Filipinos have already, a lot, there are a lot of Filipinos living in Canada. And-
0: um, There's a lot living here too. A
1: lot here as well. But for me, I think it has because of the weather. It has something to do with snow. Even though I really wanted to see snow, I'm pretty sure realistically that I would not be able to endure the cold weather because um, I've noticed this about myself in terms of my health that I would bleed, like my nose would bleed a lot even though it's not cold, it's very sensitive to cold. So, of course, I'm looking for my, looking out for my health, so I might as well choose Australia. So I think I made a good decision because I really loved it here. I met a lot of people, and for the first time in my life, it did broaden my horizon like I always wanted to happen. I met people from all walks of life, like I mentioned before, really really interesting people, as well as people from different cultures and countries that I've never even heard of, which is kind of ironic because I always look at Google. (laughs) <laughs> um, like New Caledonia, even though it's a French territory. I've never heard of it until I met people. Um, until you came here. Yes. Yeah, right. And I always ask them, please speak French to me. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, it's so beautiful. It I is be- a gorgeous language. It, it is like a gorgeous like music to your ears. Even though they're already insulting you, I don't care. <laughs> you wouldn't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so you decide to come to Australia. You... Grow up speaking English in the Philippines, so Mm. was your English at a level that was acceptable enough to go straight to university here, or did you have to sit for IELTS, or what was the situation there?
1: I did sit for an IELTS exam. That's a very traumatizing story for me, because- In the Philippines? In the Philippines, Mm. because, you know, yes, we do speak English, but the fluency and the application of it in very practical um, scenarios, conversations. It's not really as fluent if we're confronted with these kinds of questions because of course, you know, we don't really practice it on a daily basis. And when I did the IELTS exam, I'm always trying my best to get a 7. I was lucky enough to get the band score that I'm looking for. Um, The second time, but the first time I was really disappointed with myself because I sacrificed everything. I didn't go to year 12, even though my, my parents did tell me, okay, go to year 12. But the prospects of me going to a good university that I always wanted to go is a bit low now, considering that I'm not doing well, I was focusing on IELTS.
0: Are you talking about university in the Philippines or elsewhere?
1: Uh, university in the Philippines. Okay. Because before the idea of Australia, I always wanted to go maybe University of the Philippines, Ateneo de Manila University, lots of universities out there, like the top four, I think. But my brain was telling me, I'm more than this. I need to see the world like in the outside of the Philippines because I grew up in a very homogeneous country. So the idea of seeing someone who is... White, someone who's from another country, I do admit I'm one of those people who would stare at you. And I do admit some people find it weird, but for me, it's like, wow, it's been like, I always see you on televisions, on movies, but seeing someone who is from that country in front of me is just, it's like seeing an alien in a good way. We don't mean it in a bad way. We're just (laughs) like, wow, I understand that in other cultures, they do find it rude. But for us, it's it's an expression, I think, in my opinion, like uniqueness, exotic, like something that ne- we don't really see on a daily basis.
0: So in coming here, you've talked about how much you love that bustling city life of living in Quezon City at Greater Manila. But you've come to the Gold Coast, which is a very laid back place. It's um, very chilled. People are just cruising, doing their own thing. You don't get that kind of hyperactivity that even the noise factor, it's so quiet, so serene here. So how did you cope with all that? What kind of adjustments did you have to make?
1: When I first came here, I'll be honest, when I took that first whiff of Australian air, I'm like, oh, it's so clean. I can finally smell again. <laughs> and then at the same time, I'm like, where is everybody? <laughs> Why do I feel this? Like there's this space. Normally I would feel someone would elbow me, but I'm like, huh, okay, that's good. And then when I came to to the suburbs, I'm like, where is everybody? <laughs> Every time I look at my mother's photos when she went here in australia twice i think i would always ask her where is everybody that's impossible like an entire picture not a single person in the background like that's so weird and i until i came i'm like okay i understand now okay (laughs) there's that privacy i feel so alone and so small
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you kind of felt a sense of security like almost like a security blanket the idea that there were so many people always around you growing up and then coming here more vulnerable because of that space
1: yes that vulnerability but which i learned to embrace a part of myself so that people would find me more you know approachable and i do think that's a strength to begin with which is a different conversation that i haven't really explored but coming here in australia specifically the gold coast i was really impressed all the time yes there are less people but at the same time my social work brain now because i'm studying social work honors is always asking wow, it's just so perfect here. What is it that makes Gold Coast work, you know?
0: And what is it? What do you think it is?
1: I think it's because of good governance, perhaps. I do remember looking somewhere, like, in terms of transparency, Australia is very much high there, you know, less corruption compared to the Philippines, which is a completely different story. And I do think it's because that there is that laid-backness that we're very much that we can still think with reason about what is good and what is right, good and what is bad.
0: So in coming here and adjusting to that, did you get a sense that it's a reflection of our environment and what we're used to as Australians? For instance, personal space is a really big thing for us Mm. because people from other cultures, where they're used to being in crowded spaces all the time, we're not. So we really actually enjoy having... Room to move, if you like. So coming here as a Filipino, again, was that a strange thing where it's just like, yeah, just keep your distance. It's okay. It's all right. There's plenty of room for everyone. <laughs>
1: In terms of of space because we do have jeepneys, tricycles in the Philippines and the whole idea of personal space doesn't exist there if you really wanted to go to another.
0: There is no personal space. (laughs) Yeah, in
1: terms of transportation, (laughs) there's no such thing as personal space but it's because of being here for almost four years now that I did embrace it. I do like my space, please respect it but at the same time, I'm okay. If there are no other seats, sit beside me. I think it's good and bad, good on the sense that you know, you have some boundaries. Because for me, when I was a kid, I didn't have any sort of like boundaries because I did grow up in a large family, in a large house. So I didn't really have any sense of privacy or personal boundary. In my bedroom, I'm sharing it with my mother and auntie. So I didn't have any personal space. I'm always happy that they're going out or going to their jobs and I can finally have the room to myself where I can finally just, like, dance and listen to music, watch horror movies, so, and then... Not really their thing. Not really their thing. Well, no, no, not really their (laughs) thing. I to think
0: about that. Do you think if you went back... Have you been back since you've been here? No. Do you think if you went back now Mm -hmm. that it would be a bit of a cultural shock, like that reverse cultural shock of, like, suddenly it's like, oh, I'm not used to this now. This is a totally different thing.
1: The thing about me is that When I first came to Australia, I didn't experience any sort of cultural shock, per se. I was more like, oh, this is different. I wanted to learn more about this. It's not like shock on the sense that it's something that I haven't encountered before, but more so like cultural fascination for me. So something that I'm very much prideful of myself is that I'm very resilient. If this is how they do it, I'm going to listen from it. And I'm going to not really conform, but like, when in Rome, do what the Romans do, that kind of saying.
0: Was it surprising to you, if not cultural shock, that just how easily or how readily you were accepted here?
1: I think it has something to do with, you know, when I was at TAFE, I was accepted immediately. I would meet people from all walks of life, different garments, different um, approaches in the world, different accents, and for the first time, I think to myself that, okay, they're different. We know Australian accent, Australian culture, but if they feel comfortable being themselves in a place like this, then it has to apply to me as well. So that's how I feel immediately that I am accepted without letting people know, telling me that you're accepted, you are free to be yourself here.
0: What about your own personal transformation here? Because it's been almost four years. How do you think you've changed? And what is it that's been the catalyst for that change?
1: well the first um, first change about myself would be my style <laughs> my personal style normally when I was um, when I would dress myself in the Philippines I would always dress modestly which is you know I think it's a preconceived expectation in the Philippines to not attract someone if you know what I mean like someone who would like you know they would take money from you, if that makes sense.
0: Right, you don't want to be a target. You don't want to stand out. You want to try and blend in. Mm
1: -hmm. I was trying to blend in. And right now, that's the first one that I can tell about myself that changed. (laughs) Secondly, I think it's how comfortable I am giving my opinion giving my opinion to other people if they want to listen to it if if not then i'm very much okay with it but the comfortability to think for myself and not really conform to other people's expectations or what they expect you to think about then that's also the second one that i can think of that change about myself the third one i guess would be how very social sociable i have become how very accepting of me of other cultures because that's one thing that I always know about myself is that I wanted to see other cultures. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to see and understand their philosophy, their, their hopes, their dreams, because I'm pretty sure that despite these barriers, cultural barriers, language barriers, deep inside of every human being living on this planet has the same sense of life. They want to feel loved. They want to be appreciated. The, those unifying factors that makes us human. And yeah, I think those three really changed.
0: In terms of expressing your opinion, is that a cultural shift from what you've grown up with in the Philippines, or is it more of a systemic thing, like within the education system, or what is that a result of?
1: Well, I cannot speak for the entire Philippines again, but as far as I have observed, and I did look at, on the website, uh, it's called Cultural Atlas, and I did look at the Philippines section, and the way they describe culture there, I think it really does apply. First and foremost, discussing with your family or discussing with other people about politics, about religion, those very dirty topics that you know would end up in a debate is considered as taboo. Well, I would not consider it as taboo unless you're in an academic setting, but just plainly um, conversing with that subject to a friend or a family member would be taboo, I guess. And also... I think we are expected that since, you know, there's an idea of filial piety. I'm doing my um, honors dissertation about, about internalized homophobia. And one of the themes that I found there is Asian family values, which can be incorporated in Philippine culture. And we do have that preconceived expectation again, that we are not allowed to talk back to someone who is someone who's elder, or someone who's older than us.
0: Or in a respected position. In a respected
1: you know. position, like a, a person of authority, like teachers or principals. Even though I understand a lot of our teachers in school are expecting us to give our opinion, but if you're conditioned that way by culture, then it's already a self-defeating purpose uh, in, a, in an academic setting. So we're just going to regurgitate all the information they're giving us and going to vomit it out in a test and hopefully get a good mark.
0: Why do you think it's taboo to talk openly about, say, religion or politics in the Philippines, where it's not here and people will discuss it freely?
1: I think it's really because of conformity, really. Um, You really have to conform to society in order to be accepted. But is that
0: more politically driven or religiously driven, or is there some sort of historical precedent there? I'm just trying to work out why.
1: Because for me, I'm also trying to work at it why as well, but I do think it has something to do with both culture and religion because first and foremost, Catholicism or religion in general is very much part with Filipino culture. A lot of our our attributes, the way we see the world is very much derived from that perspective. Like we're very much a fatalistic country, meaning to say that we leave everything to fate, but not necessarily. Like we're still going to work hard to get what we want, but at the same time, we're going to accept whatever the outcome is. When my my opinion, my perspective is that, no, I'm going to be resilient. I'm going to learn from mistakes and I'm not going to let other person, another being going to decide my fate I'm the captain of my soul according to the poem Invictus and
0: so, you're not going to readily accept the status quo no, in other words
1: never um, that's actually what's the point of contention between my parents and I when I was studying for my IELTS exam in, for Australia they were like, okay whatever the outcome is it is God's will but my brain is telling me no I'm not going to let other being decide my faith. I'm going to Australia whether you like it or not, and I'm going to work hard for it.
0: What about your sexuality? Were you comfortable in being open about your sexuality in the Philippines, or were there issues there as well? You talked about the fact that you didn't want to stand out in the way you dressed. And often in being gay, there's a very close association with dressing flamboyantly, for instance. So can you tell me about that?
1: That is actually a self-contradiction about myself. First and foremost, I tried to not stand out. I studied in a Catholic school, private Catholic school, which is very much run by Dominican nuns. So there are lots of sectors or like or groups of people, like organizations. I'm not really sure what the word is. Missionaries, I mean, that is run by um, that is run by a lot of uh, from Catholicism. Like there is Franciscans, there is Augustinians, there is Dominicans. I think I would have been more confident with my faith if I was taught by Jesuits. Really? <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, they're listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> it's
0: the Catholic Church on the phone right now. You're in trouble. <laughs> but yes,
1: um, if I was taught by Jesuits, I think I would have been. I would have stayed in my faith. But anyway, I was taught by Dominican nuns by Saint Dominic de Guzman. Laudare, benedicere, predicare, which means to bless, to preach. To praise if I'm translating that Latin word correctly, I'm pretty sure they're gonna come after me. Uh, <laughs>
0: forgetting your Latin wrong. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and in that context, uh, in that social environment, I was very much a conformist. I followed the rules that I should not stand out because, you know, it's a Catholic school. You really have to conform, you really have to be a God abiding person there.
0: But that's the nature of all religions, isn't it? Yes. You have to conform have to, con- to the boundaries that they set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To their so doctrine. Yes.
1: I would always like follow the rules. Have a three by four haircut. I would always have my polo shirt like tucked in with my um, with my jeans. I think if that was cold, I would sit properly. I would never talk back. I would smile, you know, in front of the teachers. But of course, with my classmates, I'm very much the opposite.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> So under the surface, everyone is actually trying to be themselves. Trying to be themselves. And people are always, particularly young people, fighting against that. Mm -hmm. There's that kind of resistance. It's like, well, hang on, this is not who I am. But what about you personally? So you couldn't be open about your sexuality Mm -hmm. or you could?
1: I can be open about my sexuality there in that school. And for some reason, we're very much accepting of that. But if we're going to have our religion class, for example, I will never forget this. It happened two years in a row. Um, we were taught about the sins considered by the Catholic Church, and we have our test. And of course, you have to write all the sins perceived by the Catholic Church, and one of them is same sex marriage, divorce, abortion. And at the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm not gonna do this. I don't care if I lose two points, three points, but this is what I think, this is rubbish, in my opinion. So even though I didn't get the perfect score, I was staying true to my conviction, even though I'm already like, trying to conform, because I wanted to please them. I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to I wanted to have a good grade in terms of my deportment. But I was the kind of student at that time that I would use, or not use, but impart information that is very taboo. Oh, do you know that there's a very religious country called Czech Republic? 88% there don't believe in a god. And I would just like really shake, <laughs> shake the... The landscape subtly. I don't really want to stand out, but I'm just imparting this really small information that would just go into other people's minds. So there's
0: a, a subversive aspect to your nature, which may stem from the fact that you felt somewhat constrained by the rigors of your cultural upbringing. Very much. So in coming here then, how easy was it for you to readily then open up and be who you are?
1: I was very naive. Just go. Like, seriously, I just... I was very open. I'm gay. I'm this person. But of course, no matter how hard I try, I still very much dressed like properly. I think it's because of my Catholic education. So it's really hard for me to be myself sometimes because I feel like I'm being judged still by my family or by the community or basically everyone else. Even though my I know this is Australia, I get scared of the idea of being harassed, being discriminated at. But at the same time, this is something that I've mentioned before me being self-contradictory is because, okay, there is that preconceived expectation that you're gay, you have to dress flamboyantly. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to dress the way I want it to be, even if I appear as very normy for my dress style. That's me rebelling still.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, certainly not conforming to any stereotypes. But when you're talking about the fear of retribution how would they know? Or are you worried about things that they might see on social media? Or how might they find out that this is a very different Luigi from the young man that left the Philippines almost four years ago?
1: I think they already knew, because I found out that my parents, especially my mother, would always defend me all the time from her friends. Like, asking why is in like this? Why is he saying like this? And that's when that's the time that I knew that, oh, okay, people already have opinions about me, but they just don't want to tell right in front of me. Maybe it's because they they know I'm going to fight back, I guess. like say very bluntly, because everything that I'm saying is not really out of malice. like wanted to hurt people. I just wanted to say it because I'm curious about who you are as a person. I'm curious about your soul, about what you think. And some people would find that as offensive. Some people wouldn't like my opinion. But at the same time, like, I keep telling people, like, you're okay. Like, I respect that. I understand that. In fact, I liked it. I like diversity in all aspects about a person.
0: So, in choosing to come here, you've enrolled to study social work, as you mentioned, doing mm-hmm. your honors at Griffith University why social work is it a reflection on your upbringing in the philippines and seeing those who have struggled in society those who've been left behind through poverty or is it something else
1: i think um it started first with how curious i am of the universe i mean like before i was i entered social work originally i wanted to become a scientist even though i'm not good with maths in fact looking back in all of my grades i'm like huh I remember only getting one or two questions correct in my test, and I still got to see how is that possible? <laughs> and how is that possible? <laughs> how is that possible? But my brain telling me at that time, okay, I'm going to be a scientist because I'm so curious about the world in general, about the universe. I always tell myself, okay, maybe I should be an astrophysicist or a cosmologist like Stephen Hawking because my brain is telling me there has to be. Like, if there were a God, if there is a higher power, I wanted to talk to this being in my lifetime or at least maybe in my in the afterlife because I'm so curious. I wanted to know why is there evil? Why good people has to suffer. Is there such a thing called reincarnation? Then if reincarnation applies to a person then and they're experiencing all of these bad Things in their life does that mean it's karma coming for them, and now they are they are not worthy of compassion. Those kinds of like questions coming in my head because I like to explore religions, I like to explore perspectives, and it always boils back to what is it? What is the question? And then I got tired of it, and because at the same time when I was discussing, you these got tired of thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> it was tired, all too hard. It's all too hard, but at the same time, it did scare me. It did scare other people as well when I was discussing these questions. Because you know, if you're confronted with those big questions, especially at thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, some people are gonna be like, Okay, Luigian, you're you're making us a bit scared of how you see the world and which is understandable. So I decided, okay, I have to explore another side of myself, which is I value social justice. I value human rights. I'm very much libertarian about people. I don't care if you're an atheist. I don't care if whatever your religion is. I don't even care if you're a sex worker. Um, What's important for me is you deserve rights, you are a person, and you should be treated with equality and respect. And I think that's what stemmed with social work. But before I discovered social work, I thought, okay. Maybe I should be a political scientist because I do like politics. It's very interesting and very dirty. So it's not a... Very dirty? Dirty on the sense that it's not a clear, clear black and white. There's going to be like right wing. There's going to be left wing. And of course, it's going to clash. And I'm like, I would love to analyze this. (laughs) You know, it's not an ordinary day.
0: Maybe (laughs) you're more of a sociologist than a social worker. Maybe it's more about why we behave the way we do and, and the implications of that.
1: I couldn't be bothered. A lot of <laughs> concepts. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> So originally I wanted to become a political scientist or a, law, or a lawyer because a lot of my friends telling me, oh, you should pursue law. And of course they were like, okay, you can speak English. So it'll be easier for you to defend or like say, I object, even though I don't know what I'm objecting to, <laughs> to the judge. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I'm very opinionated as well. I might as well pursue mass communication as we call it in the Philippines, like some uh, a degree where it's really focusing more on journalism or like what we're doing right now, podcast, depending on your major. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, in terms of job, it's going to be hard. So that's really where I decided, okay, maybe I should not do this. But if I knew social work existed in the Philippines or really in general, I think I would have chosen it because I wanted to advocate for social justice, human rights, and I do like paperwork.
0: Really? Yes. You're sick.
1: It, <laughs> really, it's fun. Paperwork. Yes, check, 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 read, 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 organizing it in files, and like, wow, I love it. Maybe because I'm a Virgo, I don't know. <laughs>
0: Maybe you're OCD. I I do
1: have an OCD, I think.
0: Well, that's interesting. Is social work not recognized in the Philippines because it's not seen as a real career because of that more traditional nuclear family structure where people are looking after their grandparents and that sort of thing? So you don't have a lot of paid professionals in that area? Is that part of it? No.
1: Um... Actually, it's a registered profession in the Philippines. I did my research on this. But I do think it's just not well-known. And it's because of the way media perceives social workers as someone who's going to take away their children. Of course, a lot of people are reluctant to become social workers because they think that's what we do. But in fact, it's not.
0: It's helping people.
1: Yes, it's helping people. And at the same time, social work for me is basically... It's a helping profession, which is focusing more on the well-being of your client. So you have to acknowledge the biological, psychological, and social underpinnings that affects their well-being and try your best to facilitate something that they lack of in order to reach self-determination. Self-determination meaning to say that they can make decisions for themselves and they are confident and competent to be the master of their destiny as far as I've understood what self-determination is. But at the same time, in terms of your other question about the nuclear family, I don't think it correlates to that. In fact, I grew up in a very matriarchal family. In my family, it's the men who cooks, not the women. Um, So it's the opposite. My mother was a very strong woman, and I always look up to her because she taught me the value of hard work, not giving up, And even though there comes a time that there is that culture that I've mentioned before about fatalism, I didn't really take that into consideration. I just focused on something I really loved about her. And to this day, I'm still boasting about her because that's how much I respect her. And even though I am a gay man, you know, there's that preconceived expectation that you are going to be flamboyant you're very girly. And some people have called me out on this. But at the same time, I'm not going to let them describe me or associate me with a stereotype just because I'm gay. In fact, all the women that I've looked up to were very strong, very resourceful. And in fact, they embody more of the masculine qualities Mm. that a lot of the men in my life didn't teach me at all. So I'm very proud of that.
0: Right. In pursuing a career as a social worker, do you see your future back home in the Philippines? Or is that not on your radar? Are you thinking more that it might be Australia or another country? Or where do you see yourself in five or ten years' time?
1: Seeing myself five to 10 years time, I do think, I hope that I'm still in Australia working as social worker. In fact, as soon as I get my degree, going for a different visa and then working as a social worker. But at the same time, I do intend to, to do a master's degree, focusing more on mental health. And hopefully I would become an accredited mental health social worker because I'm still curious about people. That's where I got my curiosity come from, that, you know, I would ask questions about the universe. It's something that I hope to do in the future.
0: I just wanted to ask you about learning here, having gone through the education system in the Philippines and now coming here to Australia and studying at university. What differences have you noticed in the way you're taught here as opposed to the Philippines?
1: Well, in the Philippines, um, we are encouraged to give our opinion. But, of course, the way we are conditioned, I guess, by our culture, it's hard for us to question authority. It's hard for us to question everything that we are being taught by our teachers, by our professors. But here in Australia, I remember my first class, I was sitting comfortably, and then the teacher were discussing some sort of a topic that I'm really interested about. And then she caught my eye and then asked me, what do you think? And I'm like, me? What about her? She's more (laughs) engaged than me. I'm like, okay. Uh, why me? <laughs> I was like taken aback that they're so willing to ask another person, let alone a student, uh, for their opinion, as if we have something, that we are credible of something that is worthy of.
0: That you have a valid contribution to Yes, make. valid
1: contribution.
0: Do you still find yourself questioning that validity, or are you comfortable with it now?
1: For me, I, I just like it. I just, I take advantage of it. But of course, every now and then, I would, have this surge of anxiety that I'm just scared of giving my opinion, which I think is already part of my personality. A lot of my family have noticed noticed that about myself. I'm very anxious ever since I was a kid. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'm genetically predestined to be anxious all the time. So I'm trying my best to overcome it and you know, give my opinion because I'm taking advantage of it. I love discussing. I love the clash of ideas in a very respectful manner and having a debate and exchanging ideas. The idea of intellectual stimulation for me is like massaging my brain and I do love that feeling.
0: You you mentioned your family. Have they noticed a change in you, do you think? Have they commented on that in the time that you've been here through video calls or whatever it might be?
1: Um, They're always busy, like the entire family, but I always talk to my my mom and my auntie, those two women who really did raise me. And of course, I don't think they notice any differences at all because I don't really show that other side of me. I mean, I still put on the face of, oh, I'm a very happy-go-lucky, loves to make fun of myself, make some witty jokes, and pretend to be an old grandpa because I can actually do that, a voice acting a little bit. But apart from that, I try my best to hide it. Every time I make a post, I just write it and then delete it. Well, mm. like every time it's on Facebook, I always put it like post um, friends who can see my post, like friends but not, and I would list out all the people <laughs> hopefully would not see my post because I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt their feelings because I love them. And um, maybe if they see what's really going on inside my head and how I really see this particular topic, maybe they're going to see me in a negative light. And I do admit, I'm still sensitive in a way.
0: All right, seeing you said that you do the grandpa thing, the old man thing so well, I'm gonna wrap up and ask you to be that character and to give your teenage self some advice. So from what you know now, to who you were five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it might be, what would you say to yourself? So
1: I have to speak? Yeah, I wanna
0: hear this now, I'm intrigued.
1: Okay, so my advice on Luigi, my younger self, is that that you should always be nice, be compassionate to people, and most of all,
0: be your damn self. Well, who's ever going to argue with Grandad with such wise words of wisdom, particularly when you're the one imparting the advice? It's amazing how quickly someone can grow in confidence and gain a better sense of not only who they are, but more importantly, who they want to be once the shackles are removed. Sometimes those shackles are placed there by external forces. And sometimes we impose them upon ourselves for a host of reasons. Lack of self-confidence, doubt, fear, mistrust. Whatever the reason, it all boils down to the same thing. And Luigian identified it himself. The idea of fate can be a convenient excuse, but the reality is, if you want to change your circumstances, then you have to be prepared to do all that you can to make that change. The name of this podcast is derived from a quote by Malcolm X. Education is the passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. If you'd like to meet some of the other extraordinary students who have come to the Gold Coast to build a new future for themselves, you'll find their stories at www.studygoldcoast.org.au podcast. My name is Trevor Jackson, and I'll catch you next time. For tomorrow is mine.